What can I say in three minutes? The train is coming in three minutes. There was something I recognised in the green eyes far above mine and it hurt my heart. He was polite and well-groomed with the slender gangliness a lot of young men have. Can you help me? Can you please tell me when the train's coming? The announcer on the platform doesn't seem to be working and I don't have any data on the old Samsung my friend gave me. Sure, I said. And as I accessed the timetable app on my smartphone, I looked up at him. And it was then I realised who I was talking to. I knew who he was. I knew what had shaped him and my heart went out to him. I had three minutes. How could I help him? It was only later I discovered he was really helping me. Hi folks, I'm Anne-Marie, the Soulful Therapist. There are natural, gentle ways to heal, discover yourself and find meaning in the world. Let me introduce you to them. I'm a psychotherapist, past life therapist, clinical hypnotherapist, master knitter, Reiki master, teacher, author and seer. I specialise in trauma, helping young people and spiritual development. Shall we begin? Are you all right? I asked my friend. A mystifying post on Facebook had triggered my spider senses. She was such a positive, resilient person. Almost nothing ever bothered her. Whatever happened, she just kept laughing and had a way of seeing the irony of life that helped her ride the storms. I had almost never seen her upset. She also had an incredible sensitivity to her friends. She never saw dusty corners and was the master of the chatty coffee that uplifted the spirits. Somehow she always knew when my life had hit the skids and I'd get a phone call. I'm coming over, she'd say. I owed her some TLC. It was her turn. Are you all right? David has left home. He came home from school, walked through the house, straight out the back door and left. And I didn't even realise he was gone. Oh, no. She was such a great mum. I'd always been awed by her ability to tune into each of her kids, divine their strengths, be honest about their challenges and stream them into schooling and hobbies that allowed them to shine. What happened? He said that he doesn't want to go to school anymore. He's failing English. He says year 11 is too much pressure. He stopped talking to me in the past month, and I talked to him about getting a counsellor, but he was talking to another relative who told him that we were being mean to him to ask him to go to school, do homework and chores, and that he could live with her. She'll like being in control because that's her way to be in relationships and he'll like being able to play computer games 24-7. She sounded so distressed and so beaten down. I'd never heard her like this before. He doesn't have the maturity or the experience to judge. What next? He's underage and making decisions that will affect him long term. How do I stop him wrecking his life? Another friend on the phone. Well, that's it, she said, in her usual matter-of-fact way. Logan has left home. What is this? The season of runaway sons? What happened? Well, you know how he's been drinking? 
Boy, did I know. Now legally able to drink, but that had never stopped him before. He had the standard teenage metabolism that meant that 20 drinks was his starting point for a party mood. And his biggest regret in life was not failing to get an apprenticeship after doing all the classroom learning, but failing to chug a bottle of vodka down a beer bong and throwing up instead, which, by the way, probably saved his life. I had attempted some motivational interviewing with him over Christmas and had failed to get his attention between parties where he strutted his good-looking self in shirtless swagger. Well, things just got worse and worse, she said. He's the kid that always pushes my buttons. So we've always argued. But it's gone from punching walls at home to offering to punch strangers on a night out. His friends call me in the middle of the night to tell me he's out of control and they're sending him home in a taxi. And then when he gets home, he's swearing at me and calling me the C word. Fears for her safety immediately sprang to the forefront. Where is he now? Well, he's run away to his friend's mum's house and she'll like it because it endorses her loosey-goosey parenting and he'll like it because she expects nothing. He's legally an adult, but he's behaving like a child. He's expecting to be looked after. He's restricting himself to labouring work that only young men can do and pouring his money and long-term health down the drain by drinking. And then her helicopter parenting style kicked in. I feel so guilty. I should have done better. I should have done more. While in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, hmm, perhaps you could have done less. It might have been more instructional for him. Is there anything else I can do, she fretted. I looked up at the tall, green-eyed boy on the train platform and I recognised him. Once upon a time... About the time he was born, I worked in a youth service with young people identified as being at risk. The term at risk or high risk means different things for different agencies depending upon the focus of their work. The agency I worked for was an accommodation service and so for them at risk meant at risk of becoming homeless or the young person was already homeless. We were co-located with another agency and they had an educational focus so for them At risk meant at risk of leaving the education system prematurely, leading to poor transition from school to work or being able to go and do some further study. My role within the agency was to provide support and counselling services for non-offending family members of children who'd been sexually abused. I also had a caseload of young people who'd been sexually abused. For me, at risk was a child protection issue, which meant the child or young person was at risk of harm due to abuse or neglect. We're going to take some time now just to actually have a bit of a look and dig into what this actually means. It's important. According to the Victorian Child Protection Manual, and good on you for putting it online, Victoria, their criteria to identify high-risk young people are, obviously, young people who are clients of child protection. They're generally aged between 12 and 17, but occasionally they're as young as 10. They have multiple and complex behavioural and emotional difficulties and they require long-term and substantial support. So some of the complex behaviours that we can see with these young people, and I'm going to give you a checklist, here we go. Emerging or diagnosed mental illness or psychological disorders, suicidal ideation or self-harming behaviour, serious or escalating offending, 
exposure to sexual exploitation, association with sex offenders or other dangerous adults, repeat risk-taking, high levels of aggression, extreme challenging behaviour at home school or in out-of-home care, use of drugs and alcohol, to the extent that the young person's safety or development is at significant risk or their care or well-being is significantly jeopardised. Inadequate health care, resulting in immediate and significant risk, including mental health. Severe conflict with parents and or family, repeated running away, and isolated from family and peers. So this group may include young people with disabilities, or who are homeless, subject to a report of child protection. And within this target group, there are young people who are still at home, but in severe conflict with their family, young people who have recently left home, or young people who have been unable to live with their family for a significant time. When I was working at the youth service, I used a checklist like this to assess all new clients. I used it so often that it became second nature. I got so good at it that I had that checklist memorised in my head. And it was more than that. I actually came to know them. These kids had a certain way of looking and standing and being. A sense of aloneness about them, a flatness in their eyes that told me that no one had ever had their backs, that they didn't know what it was to be safe and loved. And sometimes, if they hadn't been crushed by their experiences, a certain defiance that was their way of begging to be considered angels or demons, carrying a burden of grief and sadness and sometimes rage that they didn't know I could recognise. are you off to today? I asked in a chirpy voice, hoping to come across as a motherly type rather than a creepy stranger. I'm going to school. That's why I'm all dressed in my uniform. And he smoothed down his jumper as if to reassure himself that he was really wearing it, clean, well-groomed, and looking like he could finally claim some self-respect. Well, good job you. You look amazing. Your train will be here shortly. I'm going the other way today. I used to go to work in a youth service, so I can tell you that you are absolutely doing the right thing going to school. The people who don't finish school end up poor their whole lives. So good on you. I live in a youth service around the corner, he confessed. Yep, I work for them, but a long time ago and in a different office. Do you know what you want to do with your life? I asked gently. Three minutes, three minutes. It was too fast to ask this question, but I just wanted him to know that somebody cared. My goal is to be in the SAS. And he looked at me in askance, as if I would assess him as wanting. I'm not physically strong, but I'm mentally strong. Oh, my heart broke. I knew what he meant. I had listened to young people say these things before. It meant that he'd been so put down in so many ways, that he'd been beaten probably to within an inch of his life, that he'd been betrayed by the people who should have protected him, and there had never been a safe harbour. What I knew was that research had suggested that a third of those in the armed forces 
were child abuse survivors. It was a way to be of service and make a difference, a place of rules and structure, teamwork and belongingness. There was a code that defined what should happen and that he had decided he would prove himself worthy in his own eyes and others' eyes by being the most resilient in the most extreme form of service the armed forces has. And he could do this because he'd been conditioned to being brutalised from a tiny child. Oh, my heart. The train was coming. Our time together had run out. I'm around, I said. If you see me again, you come and say hi and don't let anyone get in the way of you finishing high school. And he was gone. So what sense do we make out of these stories? How is it that the young man who's experienced the most adversity is the one forging ahead? How is it that the young man with no family safety net is the one daring to take a chance on life? How is it that the one who has been given nothing decided his future lay in giving to everyone else? It was a total revelation to me when I discovered at 16 that it's not the smartest one who gets to the end of a university degree or an apprenticeship. It's the most stubborn one. That's what we call grit. My dad always used to say, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I could feel him feel with me when bad things happened. He'd sit with me and pat my hand and give me good advice. Or admit, I don't know what you can do about it, love. You'll just have to get through it. And I knew he had my back. He taught me how to get over heavy ground as lightly as I could. He taught me how to commit. And he taught me how to persevere even when it was tough. There's one thing all these young men have in common. Absent dads. Dads they say they hate. Dads they say they never want to be like. But everybody needs a dad sometimes. So I've decided to let Alt Dad have a couple of minutes. And the message is not only for heterosexual, male-bodied or cisgendered people. Here he is. My advice to young children about to embark on the toughest test of their life, year 11 and year 12, is just to get in the game. You're going to get points for participating. And nowadays, you get marked and assessed and scored as you progress through year 11 and 12. Not like back in the old days where you had to study and remember for the final exam. So it's, it's a test. And you can either bomb out and then regret it for the rest of your life, or you can get in the game and, and give it your best shot. Life can throw challenges at you, and you can either give up, walk away, ignore it, play computer games till midnight, or you can get in the game, get involved, give it your best shot, be strategic, make goals, aim high. Don't worry about failing, because... What is the worst that can happen if you fail? Absolutely nothing. You can always try again. Don't be scared to put effort into something that you might possibly fail because you'll never get anything out of it if you don't put anything in. Also, 
Don't be scared of your feelings when you fail. Release them and sit back and think about it. Come up with a different strategy. Have another go. It's all right. No one's going to remember in five or ten years when you fail. People will remember your successes. The worst thing you can do is to not try, is to not participate, is to give in, give up, walk away. You'll look back on it in five or ten years' time. Or you'll come across somebody else who's doing it worse than you are, yet they gave it a shot. They got in the game. They got the results. And you'll be kicking yourself, thinking, if only, if only I gave it a shot. Look where I could have ended up. And when you do finally get in the game, one of the traps that can trip you up is comparing yourself against your peers. In doing that, if you don't measure up, it's very easy to get down on yourself and to give up. So don't compare yourself to your peers. Just run your own race. You are your own talented self. Just run your own race. Do your own personal best. You can do it. What can I say in three minutes? To the boy on the platform, here it goes. In his book, Messages from the Masters, Brian Weiss writes, Often we take personally the slings and arrows of our abusers, but frequently we are merely the interchangeable pawns of their own neurotic dramas. Anyone else in your position would have received the same treatment. There is nothing especially noxious or negatively noteworthy about you. Brian Weiss also says, A life filled with difficulty is not a punishment. Sometimes the most evolved souls take the most challenging paths. A college student wouldn't be taking spelling or arithmetic. They'd be studying literature and advanced mathematics. And in 1927, Max Ehrman wrote, Go placidly amidst the noise and haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible without surrender, be on good terms with all persons, speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even the dull and the ignorant, they too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons, they are vexatious to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter. For always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It's a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere... Life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection, neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth, and nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune. But do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness, and beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You're a child of the universe, no less than the trees, 
and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it's clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be, and whatever your labours and aspirations, in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. With all of its shams, drudgery and broken dreams, it's still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. And I say to you, boy on the platform, thank you for showing the way forward. Thank you for showing others how to stand in their truth with grit and courage. And if no one has told you before, I'm proud of you for every day you've rocked up to school. Lift your eyes to the horizon and don't let anything stop you from finishing high school. Lots of love and blessings for your future. In the show notes today, and I've had a few queries about, well, where are these show notes? How do I get into them? So if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes or Stitcher, if you go to my website, www.annemariemcglasson.com, you can see the link to the podcast and then it will say click here for the show notes. And if you go then into the episode that you're interested in, there's more goodies there. We've got suggested books and reading and videos uh, and sometimes some blogs that are particular to the episode. In the show notes today, there's a brief questionnaire called the Grit Scale. So we were talking about who are the people that get to the end, who are the people succeed, the, the stubborn people, the gritty people. Um, so if you want to, you can work out how gritty you are. There's a little questionnaire there. Take your seconds. And remember that grittiness is something that you can create more of with practice and with a growth mindset. And there's a couple of short videos on that. So there's links right there. Please take good care of yourself. Uh, if you've been disturbed by our conversation today, please reach out to your GP or local mental health crisis service. In Australia, we're pretty well supported. Uh, Lifeline is either online or on the phone. And if you're thinking about suicide, please seek help immediately. The phone number is 13 11 14. We've got the Kids Helpline and that number is 1800 double five eighteen hundred and of course Q Life is open from three PM till midnight on eighteen hundred one eight four five two seven. If you or someone close to you is experiencing distress or in immediate danger in Australia, you call triple zero. I love getting questions and I need more of them. You can record your questions on your smartphone and email them to me at Anne at annemariemcglasson.com. I'll do my best to answer questions every week. Sometimes the question that I get is, um, is it just boys that refuse to go to school? And no, <laughs> it's a bit of a fad at the moment. Um, Gen Z are a very unique um, and interesting group of young people. Um, I'm finding them really, really fascinating. And there seems to be a real trend at the moment for school refusal. I'm thinking that's a message to a whole heap of us, you know, grown-ups, if we are behaving like grown-ups, maybe we could call ourselves that, about 
our systems, how the systems are working, and sometimes they need to be tweaked for these quite uh, intelligent and sensitive kids. So school refusal, it's not just a boy thing. It can also be uh, girls doing it as well. Uh, it seems to be a bit of a trend for at 14, uh, the girls seem to be uh, expressing themselves and their individuality um, and sometimes deciding that, hey, I'm going to take charge and not go to school. Um, it's really important that we have those conversations that um, point towards the longer term. And the reason why we've had, oh, Dad, talking to us today is that oftentimes it's that extra voice uh, in people's ears that actually makes everything sort of make sense. So occasionally I'm alt-mum. Today we've had um, alt-dad talking to us as well. So if you do have, um, you know, and some parents would like to say, yes, my child is difficult. I'm not sure if difficult is a helpful word to use or not. I guess, yes, if the behaviour is difficult and things aren't happening, that might be an appropriate label. But I think sometimes it's really good to actually sort of park that label and just as a parent sit there and go, what is it about this situation I actually don't understand yet? And remembering that in these teenage years, there is such a flood of hormones that quite often uh, there's big parts of the brain that aren't really processing things in a problem-solving way. Uh, and sometimes, of course, they're not solving it in a way yet uh, that can get them to their outcome. So sometimes you need that other voice in um, a child's ear. Sometimes it's just a matter of taking that time um, I've been reading some fascinating literature this week about how do parents get through some of these particular times. And it's really about managing yourself, managing your emotions. Usually if you have to force things, uh, you're going to head in the wrong direction. If you can give yourself a chance to step back and think creatively, think about what resources you've got in your environment. And these might be other people, books, videos, Sometimes all you do need to do is just sit down, do something fun together, um, like a board game. Of course, if you've got a young person who's locked themselves in their room playing video games and thinking that pizza delivered to the door would be a cool thing, uh, that might be a little bit more challenging. So that's sort of me talking to mums and dads and parents and that sort of stuff. But of course, sometimes it can be really frustrating as a, as a young person when uh, you know, mum and dad's not really getting it. Like they've actually taken a real step up in their thinking and they're looking at wanting uh, some more opportunities uh, to make decisions for themselves, explore new opportunities, you know, mesh with their peer group. There's a whole heap of stuff that's completely normal. And so sometimes for a young person, it's really, really frustrating uh, if you've got a parent who just doesn't get it. Um, and there's actually a few pretty cool ways that um, young people can get the best out of their parents. Let's face it, sometimes you've got to do some upward management. Um, and so if you're a young person who's completely frustrated by a parent who doesn't seem to be getting it, sometimes you can do something about that, sometimes you can't. When we're looking at high-risk young people, something there's sometimes there's nothing that they can actually do about um, the circumstances they're living with. That's really extreme stuff. They actually need some really big help and support. But if it's just, you know, like my mum just really doesn't get it, there are ways. Take a step back, take a big breath, have a think about something perhaps you can do with that parent, you know, whether you're going to go fly drones or, you know, go surfing or work out how to do some sewing together, whatever it is. And if you can get that time, uh, it gives you an opportunity to go, hey, mum, 
I'm thinking that I would like to do this next or this might be an opportunity for me or this is how I'd like my life to go, um, you can actually have some really cool conversations. So, um, And I know as a mum, I love those conversations. All of a sudden I think, oh, I did a good job raising you. Aren't you wonderful? Um, so <laughs> sometimes you've got to, got to give parents some of those moments if you want to get the best out of them. So I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. I've had quite a bit of fun. Um, so we'll see you next time. Remember, you can subscribe. Please go back to the show notes. I've had a couple of my car casters who have said, uh, you know, I love listening, but I don't get back to the show notes. Take a moment while you're not in the car uh, to actually go and have a bit of a look. There's some more cool stuff there that I'm sharing. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And I love reading the comments. Your requests for spiritual mentoring and storytelling have created something really special. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please share with a friend or two. See you next time.